1: Program is presented by the Nerdy Show Podcast Network, geeky programming for all nerds across the multiverse. All Nerdy Show programming is made possible by A Comic Shop, Orlando's number one comic shop and nerd destination, and with the generous support of listeners like you. To learn how you can support this and other fine geek programming, visit NerdyShow.com.
2: This is David X. Cohen, ex executive producer of Futurama, and you are listening to The Nerdy
3: Show.
4: Welcome to Nerdy Show, a weekly podcast dedicated to every facet of nerddom. From comics and video games to science and technology, if it's geeky, we've got it covered. Hi, I'm Cap. Hi, I'm Boar. And this is our top 20 nerdy things of 2015. Woo! Yeah, this is our annual list where we take all of pop culture, all of human achievement that's happened this year, and arbitrarily rank it against each other for... for absolutely
2: no reason. Well, we just mishmash them together for what we think is the best reason to rank them higher or lower than each other thing it's nerd stuff if it's nerdy
4: if it's geeky then we're gonna figure out how it slides into that scale and kind of mash them all into this 20 something lump if it's geeky we'll we'll judge it we'll arbitrarily rank it and (laughs) we're presenting it to you (laughs) now we're gonna be mentioning a lot of stuff we'll have links on the episode page and we'll go into how this works in just a moment it's been a, a really busy year of all kinds of stuff. A but, lot of stuff has happened this year. It's yeah. been a really crazy one. From both Nerdy Show and then also the, you know, the nerd world at large. Things as weird and random as a Supreme Court justice peppering a ruling with references to Spider-Man. Megabots, of course, got funded to bring their giant robot battle to life, but that's happening next year. Can't wait to see that, though. Yeah. I mean, they basically... Maybe that'll make it onto next year's yeah, list they've, if they've, it's cool enough. They've assured that's going to be on the list next year. And we spoke to Megabots, actually, in one of, uh, one of my favorite interviews of the year. Along with other interviews like uh, Bob Dolman, who wrote Willow, which is one of my favorite interviews ever, actually. We talked to Greg Weissman again, creator of Gargoyles. Uh, anyway, but back, back to back to other stuff. I mean, like, movies. The Avengers 2 was the kind of like, eh, but Ant-Man blew everybody's minds. Terminator Genesis, no one saw it, but you,
5: but you I did. loved it.
2: <laughs> you loved it. It was probably my favorite Terminator movie. That is an insane thing you've just said. Yeah, I know. A lot of people have given me crap about that, too, but... I stand by it. It's a good movie. And if you're a true Terminator fan, you
4: should see it anyway. (laughs) It's too confusing for most people. I'll I'll give it that. (laughs) And Jurassic World you either love it or hate it seems like so still haven't seen that Me neither. but all of our co-hosts who will be joining us throughout this episode uh, they've all got different opinions on it but actually jurassic park but let's not talk to him about it it (laughs) it doesn't it doesn't come up it doesn't come up in this we've we've talked about that far too much really yeah fantastic four was a total bomb gem which was not as bad as everybody made it out to be got kicked out of theaters actually within two weeks of being in there but tv tv's been pretty flawless daredevil jessica jones dark matter man in the high castle and video games, lots of amazing stuff. Metal Gear Solid Five, Undertale took the indie world by storm in just the past few I've months. heard a lot of
2: cool things about that. I haven't gotten a chance to check it out yet.
4: Yeah. I met the dude who did it at Camp Fangamer, and it seemed really neat. But wow, like, it has taken off. I'm so thrilled for him. I've never seen anything. I mean, I'm talking about, like, the last two conventions I was at, within a month of the game's release, had people challenging Homestuck for a number of people cosplaying this game. Wow. I mean, it happened like lightning. It's crazy. A Splatoon rock band guitar hero uh, returned and doesn't suck. It's actually kind of good. The Nintendo PlayStation was discovered this year and an actual functioning Nintendo PlayStation. Did they find it in some attic or something. Yeah. Yeah, it's crazy. Again, links to all this stuff. And also there was the news that Nintendo is bringing Nintendo to Universal Studios. Nintendo or, Land. Or perhaps Islands of Adventure here in Orlando.
2: Tentatively named Nintendo Land. Yeah,
4: tentatively. Most likely. We don't have a lot of details on that, but actually one of my favorite articles that we published this year was all of Nerdy Show kind of putting our heads together as to how they should do it. Speculating
2: what could happen, how they should do it.
4: Yeah, what currently existing attractions should be retrofitted into Nintendo attractions, stuff like that. There was a lot of good music this year, like the mind-blowing and officially licensed Final Fantasy VII Remix album, Materia. Game Chop's amazing Splatoon's remix compilation. And the ProtoMen, after a long, quiet time, they released their long-awaited covers record, the cover-up, and some tracks from Act 3. I've been waiting a really long time for Act 3. I'm, I'm excited. <laughs> yeah, you and everybody, pal. Yeah,
2: really. I mean, we got a taste of it, but we want the rest! I mean, it might come next year. It might. And
4: then maybe it'll make our list. <laughs> yeah, none of this stuff that we're talking about, none of this stuff is on the list. None of it. Here's something that isn't on the list that we're just gonna tell you isn't on the list straight up. Star Wars is not on the list. The Force Awakens it's not on this list. It's not out yet. But aside from that, if we put Star Wars on the list, that would be one slot that something else didn't get, and it's it's Star Wars. It's probably gonna be better than the prequels. It could be amazing. So one, we're not gonna take the time to pass judgment on it and wait to delay this list. But two, it's it's just imagine it's on the list somewhere. Maybe uh, ask us down the line where we'd place it if we were gonna place it, and we'll tell you. Yeah. (laughs) As for stuff with Nerdy Show. We launched Nerdy Show Theater, a dedicated channel for just our dramatic programming, like our tabletop role-playing shows. But we also launched our first scripted show, Liberty Critical Research, a sci-fi audio drama. And we did our eight-part miniseries, The Call of Cthulhu Mystery Program. And we remastered the first two episodes of Dungeons & Doritos, which is a long time coming. We launched the app for Nerdy FM, our streaming nerd music online station. And it's Uh, so much
2: more convenient than having to go to the website on the mobile browser and clicking around.
4: And I traveled too much this year, like way too much, an unhealthy amount. But some of the coverage was fantastic. I did extensive coverage of Star Wars Celebration. I went out to Camp Fangamer. There's, of course, our annual E3 report and uh, coverage from San Diego Comic-Con, including the Miami Vice reunion, which a CBS representative told me we were the only people who covered that, which is really weird. But that happened. We also experimented in filming some of our episodes, including a discussion on DC Comics television shows, a debate between nerdy show Huvians and uh, those who are not Huvians. anti hoovians uh, Dr. Detractors, you may say. <laughs> and an interview with uh, the WWF legend Brian Knobs of the Nasty Boys, where Brandon and I actually got in the ring and uh, wrestled him, or really, he wrestled us. <laughs> he wrestled you guys, for sure. Uh, which was... A unique experience you should definitely watch the video it's uh i can't still can't believe it happened really it was very strange (laughs) and and of course there were also other instances where we punished ourselves for your entertainment like uh our episode food crawl where uh, we ate a bunch of food 13 restaurants in a row and recorded the whole thing, and <laughs> I'm, I'm so glad that I didn't come with to that, because <laughs>
2: I would have been knocked out after, like, the second one.
4: <laughs> it was an endurance test, for sure. It was and a lot of fun, uh, retrospectively. You can look back on it fondly. And the Eye of Argonne Challenge, where a, a fan requested <sighs> that we uh, read some of the most notoriously bad fantasy writing in history, which we read around a roaring fire. So here's how this thing's going to work. We got 20 things to get through, so we're going to give everything three minutes. We've been doing this for the past uh, few years of our top 20 list. And on this occasion, we will be playing uh, not just your regular iPhone sound, but actually a a ringtone written by Heaven Pegasus, who you may remember under the moniker Mouth's Cradle, their album Sakura placed in our top 20 last year. Uh, So you're going to hear this little tune, Cheeky Hello, from the Cheeky Ringtone series. And uh, that's how you'll know it's time to shut the fuck up.
2: I imagine we'll probably talk over it a little bit, but uh, yeah, we'll try to keep it as succinct as we can. Yeah.
4: And uh, to start us off,
2: we're going to be doing some superlatives during this whole uh, discussion. Special things that we couldn't fit into the rankings.
4: That uh, in some ways exist beyond it in in a side category. They were
2: outstanding in some fashion.
4: Yeah. It's something a little bit more than a runner up. Let's say that. Yeah. So as evidenced by this one, we're going to start with, and I'll set the timer. This is a nerdy achievement award. For all time, Gravity Falls. The show started in 2012, and uh, it ends, actually, I found out recently, the final episode is an hour-long special next year, but the ending is, I mean, really should be this year. That's how we're going to call it. Their release schedule is so wacky. Yeah, it's been pretty fucked, actually, but an immensely popular show and an incredible show. I like to call it Twin Peaks for Kids. It's a paranormal comedy set in the Pacific Northwest with two kids staying with their uncle for the summer in the town of Gravity Falls. Grunkle Stan. Yeah, old Grunkle Stan, where things are just not quite right. I
2: was really skeptical before I watched the show. I was like, oh, that that looks stupid. It's on Disney, whatever. But immediately, first episode, that show just drags you in, and it does not let go.
4: Yeah, and the reason this achievement is happening is that they, as sort of an unprecedented thing for an animated series launched by a company like Disney, it has a finite end. Alex Hirsch, who created it, and voices Grunkle Stan and Seuss... He fought for the ending to happen because it's making a lot of money. Yeah, they they want it
2: to continue. They want to milk it for everything it's worth, but he fought for it and he wanted the story to end because it has an ending. And I'm all for that. Yeah. Like more power to him.
4: It's one beautiful summer where the kids have transformative experiences of many kinds. And it's incredible. It's been amazing so far. So at this moment, we've seen everything but the hour long season finale, which is going to happen. As per Gravity Falls, completely awful release schedule. I don't know how they've been as successful as they have with releasing the way they have been. Early 2016, which could be any time from January to March. Yeah. But it's been incredible. The finale so far has been incredible. Weird Mageddon, And last year, their episode, Little Gift Shop of Horrors, actually placed 14th on our 2014 Top 20 Nerdy Things list. That one... Episode was such a standout presence of nerd credibility. We had to tip our hats.
2: It's worth so many tips of the hat.
4: Yes, so so many. Therefore, the nerdy achievement award. If you haven't seen it, please do. You can watch it all via many streaming outlets for current television. You can buy it all on Amazon digitally or whatever. But do it. If you like Twin Peaks, if you like X Files, if you like to be entertained. Yeah. Do you like do you like sci fi mystery fun? Do it. You have nothing to lose. Gravity Falls is an all ages show. Really. Um, and Disney's got a hell of a track record now. with Pickle and Peanut, like, <laughs> <laughs> like they're just they're doing good television animation right now. That is not necessarily for kids. Yeah, definitely watch it. Oh no! And we did it. So that's it. Let's move on to number twenty. I'm gonna start the clock. And
6: uh, we oh got. God, pro- there's actually a clock. Yeah, three minutes, man. Oh, Brandon shit. is in the room.
4: I don't know anything. Yes, yeah. you do. Number twenty. John Hendren pranks headline news. A little bit of background. In September. Edward Snowden joined Twitter, and there was a big brouhaha because you know brouhaha. government secrets brouhaha. and so on. <laughs> so headline news, which used to be CNN, two turns out I, didn't, I, I, I yeah didn't whatever looked into it. They pointed out the governor of New York tweeted at Jack, the founder of Twitter, to shut down the Snowden account because he's a terrorist and a traitor. But instead of getting at Jack, they got at Fart, <laughs> which I, I still am a little confused. Yeah, how as did the they how do or that? Why why they did? Well, that. the thing is, is that John Hendren, aka Fart is a twitter celebrity he has a lot of followers so he's also a very
6: popular writer they just for looked something, at his follower uh, number maybe yeah but he's also a popular writer for something awful
4: yeah he's I been know. he's been doing something awful writing uh back in like, 2005 yeah. and he's uh the thought lord of the DevOps movement and he's a generally funny guy here's here's a tweet of his that i really like from uh, early 2014 kicked out of the hobbit for shouting now we're talking every time something <laughs> happens. <laughs>
6: <laughs> what an asshole! He's awesome. This is like a legit real life. He's an IRL troll. Well, per- someone
4: needs to shoot him. You assume that that happened in real life. It could just have been a tweet.
6: I mean, yeah, but it could easily. I mean, after watching the video of the headline news thing, I mean, I, that is probably something he really did. But here's
4: what happened. Headline News invited him on to talk as a Snowden supporter, and instead of talking about Edward Snowden, he talked about Edward Scissorhands the entire time on live news and he was really deadpan about it really subtle yeah, about it yeah he was it. just nonchalantly
2: defending <laughs> really serious edward about edward scissorhands it. and
6: when i watched this video for the first time i'm like no this is fake because the person asking the questions i think her name is yasmin and she was she was not like she wasn't picking she wasn't up on it at all flinching or if she was she wasn't letting on so i was like okay this happened and someone must have edited this video later so it's just like a fake video that i'm watching but I've checked multiple websites. Cab, you've told me it's not a it's fake. It's not fake. That it's actually real. happened yeah. and that the reporter is just that good. She <laughs> didn't flinch at all. You know, they're saying, okay, well, do you think it was right for I him? I don't think
2: he's a monster just yeah. because he's got scissors where his fingers <laughs> should be. Scissors for
6: hands, you know? It's not his fault. And it's like, do you think it was right that he fled to Russia? It's like, well, he had no choice after he was chased out of town. He, Where else was he going to go? And he just, just wanted beca- to
2: make topiaries for everyone. Yeah, it's like just
6: because he was created on a mountaintop by Vincent Price, it's, it does not make him a monster. And she's just like asking him legit questions about Edward Snowden, and he's talking about Edward Scissorhands. And there's like... It's really confusing for me to watch and a little uncomfortable because she's not, she is, is, must be the most amazing reporter that, that channel has because she's not flinching. She is not relenting. She's just going right back to Edward Snowden. Her, her eyes don't even move like, what the fuck is he talking about? Nothing. So I, so I was just thinking like this video is a a fake. Uh, Maybe, maybe uh, Snopes will say otherwise. Definitely,
4: definitely a big tip of the hat to that guy though. Yeah. Was
6: that three minutes?
4: That was three minutes, man. Yeah. Hats off to you, fart. It's truly, truly amazing. It definitely tops that time you got Lily Singer Smash Mouth to eat all those totally eggs. Totally outlandish. <laughs> Which may be a loaded statement, but I'll link to where you can find out more of this dude's amazing exploits and this incredible video on this episode's page. Now for this next one, we're keeping Brandon around because number 19 is Fallout 4.
6: Yeah, it's pretty good. And that's all I'm going to say about it. <laughs> I'm down with this comment. No, it's... Um, he the- drops the mic. Yeah, <laughs> darn, it's it's okay. Click. It's- the reason I think it's so nerdy that I like it is because the science and technology in the game is so ridiculous, non-possible, completely dangerous shit <laughs> that they were dreaming about back in like 30s, 40s, and 50s. It's kind of like those old science fiction comic books. Or movies where it's like if you get too close to a nuclear reactor, you're gonna become a monster. Or they're using ray guns and they have cars powered by like nuclear fusion. So it's just ridiculous technology. Robot maids, like shit, that just won't actually happen. That they thought were gonna happen by the '80s or '90s. I mean, it's comedy
4: combined with a certain degree of actual horror. Like the landscape it is, is awful, but it's, it's terrifying. It's asinine.
6: Horror. It's like ridiculous horror that wouldn't actually happen. But
4: then in that landscape is entrenched with nerdy Easter eggs. For example, we've actually got a thread on the forums going on right now where folks are posting things they found. Max Acree found the final scene from Jaws recreated with a dead body dressed like Quint and a, um, a dead mutant dolphin. Uh, I didn't a jaws. I didn't, I didn't find that. Also, <laughs>
2: supposedly you can find Cheers. Yeah, Cheers is there. Complete with the skeletons of the <laughs> cast members.
4: There's uh, some Sons of Anarchy references in one of the jails. There's a character named Jake Reds instead of Jake Blues from Blues Brothers. And then one of the deepest cuts, as Max says, there's some random piece of electronic junk that has a very obvious serial number on it. And somebody found out it was a registration number for the Nostromo from Alien.
6: Huh. Just a random... Computer with a serial number on it.
4: Some electronic junk.
6: What the hell? I need to pay more attention. I'm too like cramped for time, so I'm like rushing and doing everything. But like, it's I, hard to pay that much attention. There is a know? there are a lot of really tiny details in that game. A lot of them are, are Easter eggs, actually. If you do some research on them, and I have not spent any time doing research <laughs> on them at all because I don't have that time.
4: I really want to find that Jake Blues outfit. I'm sure the uh, like every other piece of normal clothing in that game. I'm just gonna not wear it because it, if I don't have armor, I will die. You know that's 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 bad. But anyway, like Fallout, it's such a beautiful balance of common and horror it's steeped in not just a whole bunch of radiation but also a lot of nerdiness to put together this massive explorable world so uh uh, go play it if you haven't (laughs) um and lose all of your life to it it's warm tender radioactive embrace moving on to the next item number 18 we got john on the phone hey john hey if we got john then it must be Tech, because we're talking about the hololens hololens now, this is Microsoft's answer to augmented reality, and it's not out yet, but they did unveil it this year, have a lot of public showings, and the world is getting generally hype. We, uh, we gave augmented reality by itself a top 20 award years ago in our first top 20. Uh, Just the list. concept? Kind of.
0: Hey, but, uh, you know, don't call it augmented reality because Microsoft will probably get after you for it, right?
4: Right. What is the deal? Why is HoloLens different from augmented reality?
0: Because it isn't. Because <laughs> the term augmented reality has gotten on the periphery of people's knowledge as horrible phone apps that don't really work that well and are basically just UIs in space. Is,
2: is that why they want to distance themselves, you think? I'm
0: pretty sure that that's a pretty big part of it. The amount of every single article I read, like very few of them even actually mention augmented reality. The ones that seem to be even closer up to Microsoft are like, Oh, mixed reality, which is basically augmented reality. It's like the same damn continuum.
4: So HoloLens, if you've somehow missed it, is a headset that lets you see both the real world and then stuff superimposed into it at a insane level, the likes of which the hopes and dreams of augmented reality all said were going to happen. So though for marketing purposes or something, they're not calling it augmented reality. It is most assuredly augmented reality. It's just the next phase of it.
2: Yeah, in the long run, I think augmented reality is way more exciting of an idea than virtual reality, in in my opinion anyway, but I feel like we're so close to virtual reality being a big thing that right now I'm more hyped about VR, but in the long run, I think something like HoloLens will be something that is in every household for sure.
0: I think it's going to be like a multifunction printer thing. I mean, you know, you're going to have your fax machine, then you're going to have your printer, and then all of a sudden it's going to go and just blur into one another, and then you're not even going to be able to distinguish the two anymore.
4: That's probably a fair assumption. I mean, ultimately, it's the technology is going to boil down to at what point do we start having contact lenses or surgery or something to completely be able to superimpose or report in the back of your head? Yeah.
0: Yeah. But I mean, (laughs) even before that, how hard is it really to ultimately be able to do a full virtual? I mean i guess my point is is if you effectively blacked out the lenses then you would already be in vr anyway
2: oh sure. yeah totally they, they could definitely do both things in one
4: device in the future It'll take
0: them a little bit of time but you know like i don't really see it as being impossible by
4: any stretch well, well the reason we have this thing on the list is because of all the opportunities it presents as a really intensely functional futuristic device so what's your favorite stuff that you've seen with the hololens so far
0: The NASA thing was obviously really, really cool on Mars with the lander. I mean, that was near VR, but not. The whole point there is, is like VR, you can't walk around, right? Because, you know, you'll like slam into a wall. And so this is able to allow you to not slam into a wall, but also walk around on Mars and, you know, collaborate with a NASA scientist to actually examine rocks. I mean, like the applications are as limitless as augmented reality was. when We had it on the list before. True. Except it's actually like real. And that's the crazy part about this. I mean, what they started premiering this in January, like we didn't know anything about it. All of a sudden, it's like augmented reality is a real thing. Basically, yeah,
2: like, Yeah, they claim you know, they've been real, working real on it thing. in secret for years or something. <laughs> I think they only said. Three and I years, mean, though.
0: you know, ton of bricks just out of nowhere. Unity support. You know, they're on a five year conquest plan.
4: Well, that's time. We'll see what happens with the HoloLens. But either way, it is <laughs> definitely a crowning achievement of tech in 2015. But uh, John. Why don't you stay on with this? because uh, let's talk about the next topic as well. It's somewhat different, but uh, number 17, the DC comic book, Prez. God. Oh, my God. It's one of my favorite books out this year. It's very, very, very distinct in the comic book landscape of 2015.
0: It is really like a new Transmet for like the hyper near future. Yeah, no. I mean, it's just when, nutty.
4: If you're not familiar with... The word Transmet, that's short for Transmetropolitan, Warren Ellis's uh, seminal near-future cyberpunk, I guess, would be the best, closest genre comic book from the early 90s. and Which
0: featured heavily with um, bad politics and technology's role. It, basically, it's like a foreign landscape, but still all believable and, you know, perceivable. It's really about, like, ridiculousness as an art form, practically. But what really got me about Prez's is is that every single thing that happens in there is basically already happening today, so much so that I almost find it unfunny with how (laughs) horrible
4: it is. Prez is uh, the creation of uh, Ben Caldwell and Mark Russell. It's actually a spin on a 1970s DC book about Prez, the first teen president. Whoa! And it was a short-run comic, really goofy. People have made jokes about it everywhere. There's even a reference to it in Dark Knight Returns. And... This is a modern reimagining outside of the regular DC canon that is satire of the world we live in right now, but in a kind of like more complex and more interesting even than idiocracy kind of That's where my
2: mind was immediately going when you were starting with that sentence. I was like, is he going to say idiocracy?
4: (laughs) Right. (laughs) But it's way more layered than idiocracy could have offered up. The best thing I can compare it to is like Transmet mashed up with certain more political parts of Howard the Duck.
0: Like TransMet watching Trump.
4: <laughs> <laughs> it's it's just a horrible world of holographic pop-up ads everywhere and big corporations. Gross f- injustice. Yeah, gross injustice. It I mean you there's scenes of uh, Muslim kids getting gunned down in streets by fat bros eating snacks in beanbag chairs in America. Specifically,
0: Cool Ranch Doritos.
4: <laughs> um, and so it's like very intense, very like unsettling, but it's also a satire. For example, there's a, the big pharmaceutical company is called Pharmaduke, and it's a dog with a, a syringe in his mouth. <laughs> Pharmaduke. <laughs> the main character is Beth Ross, and she's elected as president via Twitter in the year 2036. In part, uh, thanks to Anonymous. <laughs> I think we need to actually move to the Twitter voting model. <laughs> she becomes internet famous because of a viral video where she gets her hair caught in the deep fire at the fast food company she works at. And, um, it's a good way to rise to fame. Yeah. Um, more legitimate than Paris Hilton. <laughs> but uh, that's 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 the time. But but I guess we'll, we'll close in saying it's amazing. You should totally read it. It was six parts. It was part one. It just wrapped up. It's going to be collected early next year. And there's more to come in the uh, final six part story arc. And... Um, hello i'm carl the end of life bear would you like some marijuana (laughs) (laughs) that's the thing that
2: happens yeah that's
0: also modeled after a thing from japan one of their crazy rope i mean it's like everything in that's real the whole thing the whole thing might as well just be canon for reality
2: are you talking about the death robot the the bear that hugs you and gives you a lethal injection
4: that's like a real thing (laughs) Ew, what? (laughs) Oh, God. Yeah, so I mean, everything... Dr. Kevorkian bot. (laughs) Everything in Prez is based on reality, but it's a funnier version of it, and it's a distillation of the future present landscape of 2015 in this really great sci-fi. Coming in at number 16, we got Brandon back here.
6: Yay, I'm Brandon.
4: Hi, Brandon. Hey, what's up, guys? Brandon, how much do you enjoy playing... Rush songs in Rock Band. Here's the problem is you can't really play a Rush song,
6: you just try. And usually you <laughs> fail if you're on the hardest drum difficult. Basically, you're not playing Rush in Rock Band unless you're playing the drums. Right. I don't I don't care what so you're saying. You, drums. You, you expert, might say pro.
4: That Neil Peart is one of the greatest drummers of all time.
6: Ne- Neil Peart or Pert, however you pronounce it. It's Peart. I don't care what anyone else says. About Keith Moon because I still think Neil is better because I've seen him play a row of fifty drums in a circular motion around him and he just spins and plays all of them. I ain't seen Keith Moon do that. He's also dead, so whatever. <laughs> so he beat him there too. Whatever. Guy's, guys, a nutter.
4: Well, Neil Peart, he's got a lot going on. He may know something about uh, MK Ultra mind control, as we discussed in our our, our nerdy show, declassified he's very episode. He may also possess magic enchantment powers because number 16, Rush fan Jennifer Morrow uses Neil Peart's drumsticks to win Jeopardy.
6: So the funny thing is Alex Trebek is from Ontario and Rush is from Ontario. And Alex Trebek usually is an emotionless game show hosting machine. Like, he he shows no emotion. He might show kind of slight interest. Like, yes, that's great. He tells jokes, but they're really weird. But when she tells (laughs) the story and, like, pulls out, she pulls out Neil Peart's drumsticks, and he's just like, oh, my God, that's awesome. And I'm like, I've never (laughs) even seen him excited at all in, like,
4: 30 years. Here's what happened. This this girl, I'm watching Jeopardy, and...
6: Did you watch it when it actually happened? Yeah, I did. It
4: was was, was insane, because Jennifer Morrow has way more energy than the average Jeopardy contestant, like, by a long shot. When the bio segment comes up, She's like, I was always inspired by tales of knights in shining armor who would ride into battle with a token of favor from somebody they admired. So I thought I would do that here. I'm a huge fan of the Canadian prog rock trio Rush and I went to one of their concerts a while she, back. Did she
6: like hold up a sign that says yeah. like
4: need token of favor from"? Yeah, it said, to carry in the she went to, She went to the front row and said, maybe on Jeopardy request token of favor to carry in thy honor.
6: Oh yeah. And Neil <laughs> was like, have my drumsticks. Yeah. Because he's like a huge fan of Jeopardy. Like <laughs> he, an amazing fan of he Jeopardy. He
4: fucking gave her drumsticks. And then when she's telling the story... She has a f- like this leather pouch. It's like, a,
6: it's like a-, a sword sheet that she pulls out both of the drumsticks, <laughs> <laughs>
4: and like, a, like
6: everyone in the audience is dead silence. I'm cracking up, but it's like everyone in the audience is
4: like, Ooh, man. and and then she's killing the game, does double jeopardy, and the n- amount she picks. She could have done way higher. Like she, she could have, but she did twenty one twelve. Which
6: is their like what nineteen seventy six album? I think. Uh, yeah, which is it, it's the like their best. Their album?
4: concept. Well, I don't know if I wouldn't call it their I best like album, it. but it's a. It's the it's the Rush concept album. It's the only real like heavy concept record they. And she done.
6: won. We should add. She won she twice. Won. Twice. Yeah. She and, failed at some point. I'm a. She almost. She, or she almost. Just, did she quit and bow? I don't know what no, happened to her.
4: No. No. She she almost got a third time, but she got robbed. Mm. But it was incredible. Nerdy game show, classic rock nerd. I've just I've never seen a show a performance like that on Jeopardy ever. Like she killed it. She, she
6: was actually beaten by someone who's carrying around a token of favor from Kenny Rogers. <laughs> could have been chicken. It could yeah, have been part of his beard. They just went to Kenny Rogers roasters
2: beforehand.
5: <laughs> <laughs> do those exist anymore? I have no, no. idea.
6: Not in Florida. They, they, they just
2: saved me. the old chicken bones.
4: <laughs> hey,
6: just, hey, I have a lock of his beard. <laughs> a
4: lock. Do, do you know? Do you know what the, the the slogan was for Kenny Rogers roasters? No, I don't.
2: <laughs> it's the wood that makes it good. <laughs> <laughs> No wonder they did so well.
4: Oh, God. I actually really liked Kenny Rogers' is better than KFC. It was the wood, guys.
6: It was. KFC
2: didn't
4: use And it made it wood. good. Jennifer, you rock. Well done. And that's time. Moving on to number 15. Ooh, what's number 15? Number 15 is none of your concern. I don't
6: oh, that's my favorite band. <laughs> so we're talking about my band, None of Your Concern That is my band I've started and it's, it's also it's my a, favorite It's
4: a concept band where um they all wear nun habits nun, get <laughs> it? Are, you,
2: are you being serious right now or are you just
6: making up some we shit We wear nun outfits mine? and when people go What are you all about guys Because they're British And then you go, None of Your Concern Governor Governor <laughs> I don't a know if you guys
4: are, des- are you guys improving right now? No, or, no, or no, is no, this no, a concern. real thing? Put a if you, in if your you ask if someone's improving, it derails the improving. What's wrong with you? All right, I this, wanted this- to derail it because I wanted it <laughs> to come back to reality. All right, number 15. We're joined by Jess. Hey, Jess. Hello!: The clock has started. Here's number 15 on the list: Chamber Band's record: Careers. This record is a concept record loosely inspired by the Hunger Games. Now you may remember Chamber Band as placing very highly in our top 10 of the uh, top 20 of 2013, I want to say. Yeah, 2013 with their debut record, Deities, which was an album about the world of Dungeons and Dragons, but not in any kind of like narrative sort of way, more about uh, experiences, feelings. And that's what they've done here with careers. I'm not being eloquent at all, actually. I was like, so the last one was a
2: concept album and this one is a concept (laughs) album?
4: Yeah, <laughs>
2: but they're all they're all I was waiting for you to describe it as a rock opera so we could make some sort of a distinction.
5: But.
4: No, it's loose. It's that the songs are ultimately about really human emotional stuff, but they have kind of a backdrop, a launching point rooted in pop culture. In the first record, it was Dungeons and Dragons. And in this one, it's the Hunger Games. There's a couple actual references to things here and there, but I know nothing about Hunger Games and this record. I love it.
1: They had a few references in song titles, but otherwise, yeah, they're not singing about Katniss or anything. I think it's really well done, and I really, really like their cover of One Headlight. I just thought it was absolutely beautiful and awesome.
4: Yeah, and we did an episode not so very long ago where we talked to Chamber Van, and they actually did a um, blow-by-blow through the whole album, taking us through all the various experiences, any narrative elements that were in it. It was a really cool, explorative episode. And I like to compare them to kind of like the nerdier Decemberists. The Decemberists are already pretty nerdy, but Chamber Band takes it to another level where if you're a fan of what they're talking about, you can kind of get off to the fan nuances there. But ultimately, they're just making really good music that happens to have a nerdy slant that anybody can relate to. It makes them a lot more universal than most nerd musicians out there.
1: Yeah. And this album was actually even kickstarted. So they just they put it all on Kickstarter. You know, we funded it. And they went out to the woods and they wrote and recorded everything, which I think is just went a really awesome and transparent way to do it, too.
4: <laughs> yeah, they went to this really cool recording studio that was like a converted barn in the woods in the middle of nowhere. OK, that's a little bit more normal
2: than like, oh, then they wandered out into the woods. <laughs>
4: <laughs> and there's a uh, time. But I entreat you to please check out the episode itself because it, <laughs> it makes a lot more sense there.
1: The album is also on Spotify, so really easy listening if you subscribe to that service.
4: True. We're going to give you a little taste here. We're going to play a track. All their original material is wonderful, but we're actually going to play one of the two covers from the record. Not one headlight, but In the Coliseum, a cover of a marginally obscure Tom Waits song. And uh, we're playing this because we actually debuted the video for this song on Nerdy Show. So this is In the Coliseum, originally by Tom Waits, performed by Chamber Band on their album, Careers, coming in. At number 15 on the top 20 nerdy things. around. Let's talk about number 14.
1: All right. 14 introduced my new favorite superhero who I'm maybe a little bit obsessed with in Spider-Gwen, but this is Spider-Verse.
4: Spider-Verse is an event at Marvel. It started in November of 2014, but um, most of the action happened in 2015 and is carried over beyond the scope of the regular event. It was rooted predominantly, not surprisingly, in in the Spider-Man titles, but did spill out a little bit. And the idea, the core idea is, it's a multiversal Spider-Man catastrophe, let's say. Where there's a group of entities, and it's all with a bunch of convoluted, kind of on-purpose backstory. A bunch of entities that eat spiders. Like spider Spider spirits. Spider phage. Spider totems. Sure. They absorb the life force energy of people from across dimensions that have spider totems i know that that sounds dumb that sounds really dumb trust me it is just a plot device for a completely bonkers event that is the most beautiful tribute to the legacy of spider-man basically so this is some
2: sort of a comic book thing you're talking about
4: yes it is a com- Did that, was, that, was that not clear before <laughs> i wasn't 100 sure we're talking about peter parker from the main marvel universe 616 teaming up with peter porker the spider ham Teaming up with that one time Doc Octopus inhabited Peter's body, teaming up with Spider Man Noir, teaming up with none other than Supida Man, the <sighs> Japanese live action, redonkulous thing you've probably seen from YouTube uh. that rides around in, in a big leopard mech. Like, that's canon now.
1: It's so great. It's so huh. great.
4: Okay. It is the ultimate tribute to Spider Man done by Dan Slott, who's a longtime writer of the series and has been consistently killing it for years, but. Holy shit, Spider-Verse. And it did, as Jess said, created Spider-Gwen, an alternate reality version of Gwen Stacy who became the spider and Peter died. Oh, this is the source of that? Yes.
2: Oh, okay. Because I've been seeing a lot about Spider-Gwen, but I didn't know exactly where it came from.
4: Yeah. And this thing digs deep. I'm talking about there's big stories, there's small stories, all kinds of stories from the Spider-Verse. You can buy most of it in just one book, actually. They have the newspaper strip that Stan Lee wrote for years. They have the Indian Spider-Man, who was like published in a one-off comic book in India in 2004, is a main character in this, and he's really cool. Of course, there's all the TV appearances. It doesn't happen on screen, but they do mention both Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield. And uh, that's time, but Spider-Verse, amazing. You should check it out. If you love Spider-Man at all, just pick up the collection. It is pricey. It's a hardback. But it is worth it. It is a one-and-done comics event that will fucking delight you.
1: And I think it might be on our nerdy gift guide, so...
4: <laughs> yes, it is. Plug! Before we carry on with the list, it's time for another superlative. We've got Doug joining us, and we're going to talk about easily the greatest geek film
5: of the year, Mad Max Fury Road. Oh, man. What a movie. I don't know if the movie in and of itself is nerdy. There's nerdy elements to it, like post-apocalyptic... We, we did debate you know, this quite yeah, a bit. yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, how do you rate something that is the
4: progenitor for things that are irrefutably nerdy?
5: Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of uh, LARPing and costumes and cosplay that comes out of Mad Max. So I guess it is... I mean, Furiosa alone took the world by storm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's definitely a nerdy response to it. And it it is sci-fi. Yeah, but it is meant to be a mainstream movie. Yeah, and it was
4: gloriously so. I mean, George Miller resurrecting his own movie franchise and doing it in such a big way... And having it be successful, I mean, I'm used to most nerd movies tanking in the theater and having to recover in DVD sales. Yeah, Cough Dread, Cough
5: Pacific Rim. This this movie really had no right to be as awesome as it was. I mean, what? No right? What do you mean? No right? right? Look (laughs) at at the track record for every other big movie franchise that is trying to be resurrected, and it's just—it's always like mediocre at best. This one is just. Every now and then, they have to get one right. I guess so. This one just this one has literally set the bar for any other movie franchise that's trying to make another comeback. I was not expecting it to be as good as it was, and I mean, what else can I say about it other than movie of the year? It, it may be better than Star Wars. It may be movie of it's the year. It's
4: hard to imagine Star Wars being more artful than Fury Road. Or consider for me, it. Because anyway. I mean,
5: like, Fury Road, has been they've been planning it for years, whereas... We've literally covered the entire, <laughs> the entire uh, gestation period yeah. of uh, the we, Force Awakens. We know
4: for a fact they were uh, strapped for time yeah. to create Force Awakens. Yeah, whereas so.
5: Fury Road was sheer force of will and a tri-
4: and a triumph of the will. Yes, indeed. <laughs> <laughs> so, if you haven't seen Fury Road, please see Fury Road. It is truly majestic, and its nerdiness. Well, you need only look to post-apocalyptic sci-fi. It's it in the biggest way possible. Mad Max was always one of the cornerstones of that. And this is, it's the best Mad Max movie, I feel.
5: It's tough to argue.
4: Coming in number 13, a guy who built a functional Mjolnir. It can only be lifted by those who are worthy. Well,
2: worthy. Worthy, meaning the functional... guy who programmed his thumbprint into it.
5: Yeah, and functional meaning, I don't know if you could actually hammer anything with it. It looks hefty enough, you totally could. Though I it think might. you
2: could beat somebody's face you with could. it pretty you su- hard. You yeah. could,
4: it, but it, you would damage it. You would damage it, but you yeah. would succeed in hammering. Yeah. And and it may even, depending on if something went wrong with the electromagnet inside of it, it may even, you Have know... Have, like, a sparks ha- in the-
5: going <laughs> <laughs> Could electrocute somebody. Yeah. You might be
2: able to take down some
5: sort of a vehicle in an unexpected way just by activating it. That is true. He puts an electromagnet inside the hammer and he puts it on, like, a sewer manhole cover... And on other pieces of metal, any challenges people to come over and say, yeah, any and large metallic object out yeah. in public. Yeah. yeah.
4: Try to pick it up. So he's this guy, Alan Pan of the YouTube channel, Sufficiently Advanced, he devised this electromagnet with a fingerprint identifier on the handle so only he can pick it up. I mean, is it a little uh, self-involved to say that you're the only one who's worthy? Certainly. Well, he but, built it. I but, mean, he, yes, you exactly. Know,
5: I, I don't know whose thumbprint would do it. I just couldn't c- find c- it. Certainly like, Mjolnir could only be wielded by Odin, and only Thor could wield it because Odin allowed it to. A- anyone who's worthy. Anyone who's worthy of the power of Thor can pick it up. I mean, uh, Vision picked it up.
2: Yeah, if he thinks somebody else is worthy, he could program yeah. a fingerprint in there, it'd be sort of like, you know, <laughs> passing the torch.
4: Yeah, yeah. Well, the first video was out at Muscle Beach, Weirdly, he didn't get any muscle dudes to pull it, but I I think uh, there's probably some reasons why. If he attached
2: it to a manhole cover, I imagine that some of the muscle dudes just went over there and just pulled it right open.
4: (laughs) Because in a later video, Thor himself did exactly that. He took it to Comic-Kazi, Stanley's comic convention in in Los Angeles, and uh, had cosplayers go at it. And it was fucking hilarious to see, like, green-painted She-Hulk trying to get this thing up. (laughs) 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 And he actually did a modification he made it so one in 10 had a chance for it to actually lift (laughs) that's cool and weirdly the track record was generally if it was a deadpool it lifted (laughs) (laughs) of course but jack thor he lifted the mjolnir but he lifted it because he took that manhole cover with him damn (laughs) and then alan waited in line and uh stan lee signed the uh the mjolnir
5: at at the thing so well that's pretty cool well done alan well done Better have included Stanley's thumbprint on that. <laughs> you better have. All
4: right, so we'll moving right along, Doug, why don't you stay right where you are? Let's okay. talk about Other Space. Yeah, this was a surprisingly good show. It was. It was surprisingly good. If you haven't checked out Other Space, you should. And you, you need
2: to immediately. Yeah,
4: you really do need to immediately. And likely you can do it for free, though we'll get into why we don't know the uncertain future of Other Space. But in a nutshell, Other Space is all your favorite sci-fi comedies rolled up in one in a beautiful
5: eight-part debut season.
4: Which was way too short. I yeah. wanted more. I wanted more, I too. want more
2: now.
5: It's like Galaxy Quest, sort of done like an workplace comedy, if that makes any sense. It, yeah, it,
2: the, the basic premise of the show is almost like Voyager,
4: except for... because Well, it's actually almost entirely Red Dwarf, except for the millions of years.
5: I disagree. I think it's like Next Gen. Because <laughs>
4: it's, like, it, it's about a crew of let's say starfleet who gets sucked into a wormhole that spits them out into not the delta quadrant but actually another dimension another universe and that's right another space. space oh yeah so uh, they don't know if there's aliens to contact or what it's both a horrifying and exciting prospect and this crew is really mismatched
2: yeah some crazy
4: people some he- crazy not people <laughs> yeah <laughs> exactly i love everything about it and i think you and i were exposed about the same time and i Yeah, one beautiful night where Kay from Nerdy Show said, "Hey, have you guys watched this?" And we're like, "No," and then and then we're just (laughs) immediately in love with this show. (laughs) Play the
5: next one, yes. And
4: the reason we were like, "No," is because the creative force behind it, the creator, is Paul Feig, the guy who does bridesmaids is doing the forthcoming ghostbusters movie but i fucking hate bridesmaids i know it's well
5: loved and the ghostbusters thing because i hate bridesmaids i'm very uncertain about it other space did give me a little bit of hope on it because these characters had a good dynamic like they all fit in that world and they were
2: all consistently funny like every episode was really great
5: i loved it It actually made me think i
4: have totally got this guy all wrong he's doing stuff maybe for people that aren't me but he did a show for me now and i love it
2: Mm -hmm. I really, really want to send him a gimbal, though, (laughs) because every single shot in that show is like shaky cam. And it drives me a little bananas, but the show's (laughs) content is so good that I
4: overlook it. Now, it debuted on Yahoo Screen, which is the platform that Yahoo, well, uh, debuted also this year with the final season of Community, or potentially final season of Community anyway. And Yahoo screen lost millions of dollars. No one watched it. You know why? Because it was Yahoo. The content on it was good. Season six of Community was amazing. Other Space was amazing.
2: Well, there's just so many different streaming services that are trying to compete right. with each other right now. And I also, mean,
5: Yahoo made it hard to find for me. Like I tried to have it play on my TV without having like a you know a game system attached right. to it, and I couldn't do it. And I'd ha- I'd, I had to do it in browser. And I didn't want to watch it on my computer. I want to watch it on a big TV. What's exactly.
4: The show also has. A lot of nerd cred to it, not just because it's a sci fi, but it has a lot of MST3K activity in it. In that Joel Hodgson is a character named Zalian, and uh, Trace, I'm probably going to butcher his last name, but Byulieu, um, the original voice of Crow, plays the robot art.
2: So. I freaking
5: knew it! Yeah. I knew that. I, I was that to makes say. so much sense. Yeah. Actually you didn't recognize make that, them. <laughs> I didn't make that connection, but just, now I, that I'm I,
4: thinking about it, yes. I thought it was, they were just that's taking awesome.
5: inspiration. I didn't think they actually got him. No, that's
4: so, that's actually them. So that's hilarious. And, and now, I, I mean, though the future of other space is uncertain because Yahoo Screen is dead. Oh man, I hope it just begin gets with picked up by
5: anybody. Yeah, yeah.
4: But MST3K, as of this episode's release, has had a successful Kickstarter and is coming back. So those cool. guys are going to be busy anyhow. And the show, it's extremely derivative, extremely derivative of, of lots of things. But it is wonderful. You've got to check out other space. And get worked up about it and help a second season happen. <laughs> and if you find someplace that sells collar balls, let us know. Got to have a set of collar balls for every outfit that you wear. Coming in at number 11, let's get Jess back on the line. Hey, Jess.
1: Hello again.
4: Let's talk about Japan's first robot-operated hotel. Maybe the world's first robot-operated hotel. It's got to be.
1: Probably. I, probably. Japan's is. always first with the robots.
2: If somebody's going to have a robot hotel first, it's going to be Japan. <laughs>
4: yeah. And did they ever. These guys took it to a ridiculous degree. Now, we know Japan has lots of novelty hotels. You want to sleep in, like, basically a coffin for, you know, space reasons at why, a reasonable price. Why would you not? Right. Why would? Why not? But in this case, they're slashing prices because there's no hotel staff. There's just robots. They
2: fired everybody and they're passing the savings along to you. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Now go talk
4: to the robot Velociraptor. He's not joking. There is a robot concierge Velociraptor. Have you seen this? I mean,
1: isn't that all of our dreams coming true? To be checked into a hotel by a Velociraptor? (laughs) I mean, before it rips our faces off. But, you know, it's cool.
4: He's got like a kind of vaguely British accent. And it's super weird. It's very self-aware, obviously, because of the raptor. But hey, if you want to talk to also a creepy robotic Japanese woman... That's an option. Who doesn't? Most people do these days.
2: Yeah. I've got four that live in my house now, so, you know, it wouldn't be too
4: weird. I mean, and that's just the desk staff. Everything else is automated, too. There's little, like, robots that take your stuff very slowly to your room. Do they have one of those <laughs> little bots that just kind
2: of walks around and goes, eat recycled food? <laughs> what? No, what's
4: that? <laughs> what reference am I not getting? That was Judge Dredd. Oh. You know, I've, Remember, never seen, I've never seen the original. You never saw the
2: Rob Schneider was in the I, I recycled
4: know. food robot. I know, I know, Rob Schneider was in the film, but I, I want to see it. I, I always wanted to see it, but I, I never. I mean, let's not go too far. I saw the more important the- robot <laughs> hotel. Time-
1: robot hotel
4: (laughs) right right uh biometric scanners to get into the
2: rooms they gotta id your face also isn't this the same place where somebody assaulted one of the robots and
4: it brought up all these ethical like quandaries of that is actually an unrelated story oh it is that is just the nature of japan right now where the robots are so commonplace i thought it was at this hotel no is that in front of a department
1: store when someone sees a robot especially probably american tourists their first thought is i would imagine to be to assault it or to you know yeah
4: (laughs) yeah it was an argument that brought up certain ethical things, like the, the guy who created the robot said the robot actually deserved rights, even though there's no artificial intelligence at play. And what's going to happen with the hotel? Well, who knows? They're going to get human privileges. <laughs> and that's all we got for the robot hotel, but um, there's some really great articles and video and so on of this. We'll link to all that, of course, on this episode's page.
1: <laughs> Single rooms are only $60. I might have to stay here when I go to Japan
4: yeah it is dirt cheap we should all go to Japan (laughs)
1: Nagasaki do I want to go to Nagasaki? why not? why not? I don't
4: Yeah. and for $60 you're already going to spend money on a hotel might as well be the robo hotel only problem is it's probably going to be booked up because it's the robo hotel hello and it's affordable
1: that's very true
4: do they have robo prostitutes that you can hire?
1: (laughs) Uh,
2: sex robot sex robot sex (laughs) robot sex robot (laughs) what does it want? These robots are
1: really creepy looking.
4: (laughs) Number 10. We're halfway there. Number 10. Barkira gets an animated trailer. And we got Doug with us here to talk about it. Yo. Barkira is Akira done with characters from The Simpsons.
5: Right. Uh, that's basically the gist of it. I remember first seeing Barkira Kira online and just being like, oh, that's funny. But, you know, they're never going to really finish that. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> it's like, they're, never, they're never really going to finish the, the comic because, I mean, Akira, for those of you who don't know, is massive. Barkira Kira was an idea created by artist Ryan Humphrey.
4: And it turned into a whole web thing of people replicating Akira with Simpsons characters. It was, like, page by page, and it was
5: completely scattered at first. You're right. It seemed impossible that anything, like, right. truly coordinated could come from it. But that was just, like, paying tribute to the graphic novel. But now, to pay tribute to the film, I'm, it's ridiculous. Like, I, I didn't even know it existed until uh, the trailer, like, the trailer pops up, and I, am like, didn't know anyone was even working on it. Play it, and it is, it's exactly what it needs to be. Just the same way that regular Bart Kira is to the comic, this is to the film, and... It's such a deep level of nerddom here, (laughs) like going from, I mean, you know, American pop culture television, Simpsons mixed with the Japanese manga mixed with the film adaptation. I I can't even figure out how how many levels. And it looks like it
2: was released directly to VHS too.
5: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. The trailer is over 50 artists replicating the
4: original Japanese Akira trailer shot by shot. So you can see that the art style sort of change a bit between versions, but it's beautiful. It's just beautiful. And what I didn't realize was that last time I really looked into Bart Kira, because I love Bart Kira, but I hadn't been like following it exactly because it was scattered. It was people right. just doing it everywhere. It has actually come together as evidenced by the trailer. A guy named James Harvey is the editor and coordinator for Bart Kira, And if you go to com right now, all the separate independent volumes of the manga are being turned into Bart Kira and you can read them all. No That's
5: ridiculous. <laughs> wow. <laughs>
4: You know, piece by piece. Right. And for all the pieces that are still missing, you can join the Bart Kira movement and complete this
5: for some reason. <laughs> I, I want to know if there's someone out there who's the first exposure to akira is through bart kira like they read bart <laughs> kira the manga first and they're like wait this is based on something? i thought and this then, was like a weird and then later thing.
2: they see akira and they're gonna be like what they totally ripped
3: off yeah. bart kira
4: <laughs> <laughs> it's so surreal it's so strange and the nuances of all like just the simpsons jokes the simple jokes of swapping those characters and the relationship yeah, between the they, simpsons yeah, characters yeah, yeah, yeah. and the manga slash film characters it's crazy and that's actually time so, well, right, well done. Yeah. That was a perfect Bart Kira right there.
2: Are they going to make a movie? Like, the full thing?
4: We can only hope and pray. If it and, keeps going in this direction. You know, I'm certain that at some point Matt Groening must have commented on it officially. How could he not? It's beautiful, but I, I haven't seen that he has. Certainly he must have. But, you know, Simpsons these days is highly self-referential, and so if Bart Kira didn't come up within actual new episodes of Simpsons at some point, I would be surprised moving on to number nine thanks doug thug number nine we're bringing jess back what's up jess hey 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 jess we're talking about something that you and boar you love to drink it what is
2: it
3: it's true
2: it's, it's soylent soylent woo it's but it's not just soylent it's soylent 2.0 that's right which which is, we have to distinguish because 1.0 came out like At least two years ago. Yeah, 2013 was when Soylent debuted. But 2.0 is revolutionary in that it's now 100% liquid form. When you get it, you don't have to mix it with anything. It's way easier. Before with Soylent, you had to have a lot of premeditation with you know mixing it ahead of time. And I didn't even think it was drinkable for about two hours after you mix the stuff up. But Soylent 2.0, I can just go into the fridge, grab one, start chugging away. About a minute and a half later, I am fully filled with nutrients, and ready to go.
1: It's true. And I I discovered Soylent on an episode of Nerdy Show. Bohr brought them for us, and they were delicious, I thought. And so now I drink one every morning. And I didn't eat breakfast before. So this is way better than my past life,
4: I guess.
2: (laughs) And, you know, I've been talking to a lot of people about Soylent over the past
4: I don't know, several months you since, are since this came out. Soylent evangelist.
2: I am a Soylent evangelist, apparently. And <laughs> even if I'm just casually talking about it, people take this as some sort of an affront to their lifestyle when I bring it up. <laughs> I'm serious. Oh, I'm drinking it like uh, at work, for example. I bring this stuff to work like every day and they're like, oh, hey, what are you doing for lunch, man? And I'm like, well, I'm just going to drink this Soylent. And they're like, really? That's all you're going to do? You, uh, you shouldn't. What? You need to eat like something. But no, I don't. I'm eating way better than you. They
4: don't understand. And
1: saving a lot of money.
4: You're eating the future. I I am eating the future. (laughs) Soylent, it is a a milky beverage thing. Doesn't contain milk. Totally vegan now. Tastes like cereal milk. Tastes like cereal milk. does. And it's environmentally
2: friendly. It uses algal oil, which is oil that's made from algae for a lot of the fat content and uh, some of the other nutrients that are involved. So that's one of the things that makes it totally vegan because in the earlier versions of Soylent,
4: they had to use fish oil. It's got all everything you need for a healthy diet in it. Uh, it does maybe have this little controversy about it having uh, more lead than average, but still safe amounts of lead. I don't think it was lead. I think it was uh, arsenic? No, couldn't be. Something. Anyway, They're... it's safe. FDA approved, right? <laughs> and it's yeah. number nine. So that, that means it's great. Yeah, actually. It
2: definitely uh, doesn't contain the... people. It, yeah. No people, and regarding the toxic elements, they have a full disclosure on their website about all that. And the amount of harmful substances is way less than most other things that you're putting in your mouth. Which is
4: easy to believe. Very (laughs) easy to believe. (laughs) So Soylent, number nine. The future of food, perhaps, it is definitely among the many futuristic things happening in this strange year that is 2015.
2: Yeah, for more, check out the uh, episode where we talked about it in length.
4: Yeah, and and you can hear us drink it live and get actual reactions from myself and everybody else who had it for the first time. (laughs) So, as you can probably tell by the landscape of this list so far, our future present is... It's things are getting really interesting. We've talked a lot on nerdy show about how the times are actually changing so that all of our sci-fi realities are starting to sync up to the one we live in. And some we're at least starting to get crappy versions of the things that we want. (laughs) Right. So we've got our our fucking, like, Jetsons pills in the form of Soylent. And those crappy hoverboards that aren't really hoverboards. Right. Yeah. Um, (laughs) And, you know, you might say that you thought the future would be cooler, but there's a lot of cool stuff happening now. It's just a really weird place to live in. So Yacht, one of the nerdiest bands operating beyond the typical nerd music genre that we normally deal with here on Nerdy Show... Claire Evans, the front woman, she's got her hands in all kinds of pies with tech and the future and everything. She recently announced a show she's doing on uh, Vice's television network where she's looking at emerging technologies, even interviewing the AI disembodied head avatar of that woman. You remember that, right? You've seen that. Maybe. I'm like, which one? (laughs) The fact that we're wondering which one, you know, I mean, that's the future. It's an indicator. Yacht's most recent record is called I Thought the Future Would Be Cooler, and we're going to play that title track here, but we're also going to give one of our nerdy superlatives to the video for I Thought the Future Would Be Cooler, which is this year's nerd stuff in a nutshell. It's all the weird tech. It's everything that's happening right now that's the future, but very sideways. I don't know. They used Soylent (laughs) 1.0. Soylent 2.0 was not when they were filming it whatever it uses all these modern things as props in the future is already cooler somebody should let them know <laughs> they've got selfie sticks they've got those shitty hoverboards they've got uh, vape stuff and it's a really fun video that has little references to queen and talking heads and the song itself kind of sounds like a blondie jam so you should totally check that out but right now we're gonna cut to the song and play i thought the future would be cooler
3: i thought the future would be cooler I thought the future would be cooler, 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 cooler (laughs)
4: right we're at number eight we've got john on the line hey and we're going to talk about talos principle now spoiler alert this is the highest rated video game on the list this is it right here and you may not have heard of this in fact a lot a lot of the staff at nerdy show were like what what is this thing so john why don't you tell us about talos principle
0: how much am i allowed to spoil
4: about game? (laughs) well everybody should probably play it and i know it's a game that has a plot that has a lot of secrecy to it like discovering what the true story is, is part of the game. But let's go with broad strokes and whatever you might learn in the first five to ten minutes of the game.
3: Oh
0: my god, nothing. You will learn all (laughs) those things in the first five minutes. This thing's basically like Portal styling. I mean, that gives you all you need to know about, like, the flavor of the game.
4: Like it's a first-person puzzle game?
0: Yeah, and of course, it's also screwing with you, right? Like Portal does. So, you know, you're wandering around, you have no idea, like, what the fuck? You just wake up and you're in, like, Grecian ruins practically just like no idea what the hell happened
2: is it kind of lighthearted and fast paced too
0: uh uh no man this is like some brooding dark shit okay at least described it to
2: me as sort of like a portal mashed up with mist would you say that that's fair
0: in many ways in the sense that like you're just like where the fuck am i what is this what is any of this it's mist like because you're really having to tease out the world in portal you pretty much know roughly enough to get by you're just trying to escape but in this, you don't even know who you are or why you are. You just have this voice claiming to be God telling you, go find my sigils. Just, you know, whatever. Just solve these puzzles, bud.
2: Sounds kind of like how I stumble through life.
0: Yeah. Yeah. But so <laughs> then you find these terminals and you start typing in Linux console commands into it practically. And the next thing you know. You have to know
4: Bash to play this?
0: practically it would oh. actually help for the first five seconds it's a but nerdy later, game
4: it's number eight on the nerdy list you got to know how to program
0: unfortunately most of the nerdy parts of it i can't even really tell people about but let's just say it goes incredibly meta it's got a lot of code stuff things are explained in incredibly nerdy game mentality ways can you, the you format entire- the disc practically <laughs> i mean it's, it's not it's not a full emulation unfortunately it almost feels like it for like about a couple of minutes and then it whenever you walk up to a terminal you just sort of quickly do the code and then you know pops up and whatever and you go about your business so you don't have to really sort of poke and prod the keys but
4: this is a game that has lots of philosophy in it it questions existence it has a
0: levels of philosophy like i said i literally cannot go into any detail without spoiling everything
4: there's certain knowledge that once you learn it you can't unlearn it so based on what john's told me about it, it would be very hard for him to start talking about it without unraveling the whole thread when in fact you should play it. What I can say is that it actually did come out last year. It was mid-December though, so anything in mid-December gets lost in all the -the end-of-the-year lists. And most of the action and traction that Talos Principle had happened this year, including its release on the PS4 in October. And it was developed by Crow Team, which weirdly, they're the guys who did Serious Sam.
0: Doesn't make any sense. It's absolutely ridiculous.
4: But they, they built some puzzle stuff based on their Serious Sam 4 engine and were like, whoa, let's hire a writer to make something really completely different from Serious Sam.
2: Wow. Yeah, Serious Sam is as over the top and action oriented as you can really get. So yeah, Talos Principle. We're
4: sorry we can't say more about it, but you should go play it. Follow your own advice. I got a Steam link because I'm not so hot at playing PC games because the PC is where I work. So I got one of those things, so now I can play Talos Principle, and also Hotline Miami 2, and also Undertale, and yeah. Nice.
5: The expansions are even nuttier.
4: (laughs) So if you have played Talos Principle, but you haven't played the expansions, totally do that too. And of course, links to everything that we're talking about are going to be on this episode's page.
0: It is insane, and goes so meta. Everything's meta. Meta pretty much describes the entire game. Meta dirty.
4: Next up, number seven. We've got Brandon here
6: you know whatever
4: transparent aluminum holy shit
6: okay that i don't think would have existed if not for star Star trek Trek. four star trek four specifically and it was it was uh, you're you're a huge star trek fan yeah but is the first time they actually mentioned that it was transparent aluminum in the fourth movie
2: man you have got me there because Because i am not too fluent on the original series they don't
6: talk too much about what the materials are but in that fourth movie it's like it's
4: patent aluminum
6: that's yeah. my. And, Scotty and voice. from
4: what I've read so far, it looks like that. I didn't go too deep, but it looks like that is true. That I went a was, little deep. In Star Trek IV, The Voyage Home, the comedic Star Trek film. It's the best film, which yes. is fucking great. It's transparent. Scotty says the. Hello, windows computer. Are...
6: <laughs> <laughs> a mouse. Or is he like a keyboard? How quaint. And then just starts typing schematics yeah. on a computer that can't possibly have the memory to do that.
4: So, tr- transparent aluminum, basically, it's one of the key ingredients for Starfleet ships. Yeah. It's come up in all the respective... It's all the
6: glass and screens
4: that are, like, Everything that vacuumed, looks like glass sealed. is
2: transparent aluminum right. in Star Trek. W- which
4: sounds like a dumb joke. Like, transparent aluminum, aluminum, you can see through aluminum, that's preposterous. But for some reason,
6: we can now. <laughs> well, the thing is, like, after that, you know, it's like, a lot of science and technology comes from really cool science fiction stuff. So, like, oh, I really want to create that it's from a video game or it's from a movie. And they get close, and it's technically, it's not a metal it's not true transparent aluminum. It's actually an aluminum ceramic hybrid. Yeah. So it's got some metal like ions and molecules in there, but it's really more of a ceramic But base. the important part is that
2: it's transparent and it's
6: still way stronger Almost than 100%. glass. Almost 100%. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it's stronger. It's like twice as strong as the bulletproof glass we use and it's half the weight and like... And, and it's and nowhere thickness. near as thick. Yeah, but the problem is it costs so much more that you're not seeing it everywhere. Not a high demand. As with everything though, it yeah. eventually they'll... But unlike, Figure out new ways to do it
2: and well, yeah, new yeah. ways to manufacture it. 3D print, it.
4: man. 3D print. <laughs> 3D I, print. I, I don't think you can because it's a powder that's molded and baked. And then you Well, yeah. Well,
6: you yeah, could well, do that. You could create a 3D printer Well, Once just we for get to the point it. where
4: we can 3D print on a molecular
6: level.
5: Sure. sure yeah. 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 Which we <laughs> would call Right a now replicator. where we've got
2: you know, hot plastic and tubes and well, yeah, you well, know, what hot metal do, and chocolate. From,
6: from what I heard they do, it starts off, like you said, like a ceramic powder and they heat it. To a high degree, and then it cools really fast, and then when they polish it, it becomes transparent and tough as hell. But
2: right now, they're doing it for bulletproof vehicles, mm-hmm. is what the
6: the main driving factor is. But in the future, I hope that it's all about spaceships. Well, they said it can be shaped, unlike bulletproof glass, and I don't know why bulletproof glass can't be, but it says this specific material can be shaped into anything, like armor uh, well, I mean, could, think uh, sh- about, like think about how wear. easy it is
2: to shape metal versus how easy it is to shape glass. Well,
6: they're saying it's kind of like shaping clay almost because it, the way that it is, you can shape it in anything really easily. It's just so much more expensive And three inches
4: or more, and it can stop an armor-piercing bullet.
6: It, like a 50 caliber Which is insane. armor-piercing yeah. sniper rifle. That's great. Oh. Yeah.
4: So that's uh, it, it, the, trans- the Navy's working on
6: it and a separate company that's probably better than the Navy, just It's saying.
4: a Cermit Corporation. The, uh, it's actually aluminum oxynitride, and uh, they call it ALON, which is a registered trademark of their corporation. I'm assuming um, it stands for aluminum something or other. But good on you. You must have some nerds working with you. Otherwise, you wouldn't have this transparent aluminum. Because who would think? Who would think transparent aluminum? It's all from aluminum? Star Trek. Yeah. <laughs> All right, number six. No special guests for this one because I'm the only person in the Nerdy Show crew who can really talk about it. We're kind of taking your word on this one. Yeah, you're, you're going to have to. But believe me, I've backed it up with a massive article. Camp Fangamer, number six. The nerdiest event of the year, easily. Fangamer is a fan organization that's sprung from Earthbound, the cult classic Nintendo RPG and the whole mother trilogy of video games. They're now like are kind of involved with all kinds of interesting physical merchandise for games or inspired by games. But they wanted to do something to give back to the Earthbound community that had spawned them, brought them together, created relationships. It's been pretty massive for them. So they created an experiential, interactive convention. It's really not a convention at all. but
2: A lot of the stuff that you were describing to me sounded like a, an alternate reality game the whole weekend. It was
4: kind of like a weekend-long alternate reality game, yeah. Happened in Tucson, Arizona in a hotel, but through there, everybody who was there witnessed a playthrough throughout the weekend of Earthbound on stage as a charity thing with a live talk show that was also a live game show, kind of like a Japanese game show, streaming throughout the whole weekend. But during that time, there were characters, there was a narrative, and a massive, massive conclusion. Pokey Minch, the main adversary of the Earthbound games, was there as a character having co-funded the festivities, trying to put forth the idea that he'd been, you know, slandered, that being painted as the villain was a misunderstanding and he just wanted to give back to the community, but things go very much out of hand. They really took that hotel and turned it into Eagle Land, the location of Earthbound. I'm talking about like the menus were changed at the hotel restaurant. I'm talking about the water fountains had different facings on them. There were lots of cool indie gamers there, there were lots of cool people there, there were lots of cool panels there, and I published an extensive article as actually the only press representation that they had on site for this thing, chronicling this entire event, surreal meetings in the middle of the night, the boss fight at the end was like some kind of metal concert almost. Uh, did you fought against something kind of yeah pokey emerged in a uh, a big plastic bubble and had a gigantic inflatable spider mech thing that sort of like towered over the audience and had these tendrils that it was sort of abstract but it like went out in the audience and there was thrashing and a live band playing and huh it was beautiful it was a truly amazing experience that uh, me summarizing it in three minutes will not do justice We'll forward you to to the article, but uh, it was an incredible experience, and if you're not familiar with Earthbound, the article does actually contain all the information needed to really get the gist of what this is, why it's important, and all that.
2: But Yeah, even not knowing anything about Earthbound, it
4: seemed like a really impressive event, for sure. Yeah, completely strange, and no one knows that they're going to do another one or, or what. It was created as kind of a, a one-time thing, so it could never happen again, but just this one beautiful, beautiful weekend. It seems like they'd almost
2: have to just try to repeat it or something. It,
4: or switch gears to another game. Yeah, exactly. Um, but either way, like it would, it'll never be like this. It was truly incredible and easily one of the nerdiest things, well, that's ever happened to me. <laughs> so, let alone 2015. All right, we're in the top five now. And we've got John with us because we're talking about underground virtual reality drone racing, which Brian Clevenger called cyberpunk as hell.
0: It really is. It's insane. I mean, you have these crazy guys sitting in lawn chairs with like vr goggles on their heads right of course they're basically just using them to stream the footage from the mini drones but like they got antennas coming off of them they got big old rc helicopter style remote controls and they're just racing these things like freaking pod racer through abandoned factories and shit i'm
2: really excited like i totally want to try this it's just the uh the cost to start doing it and finding places to do it and shelling out all the
4: money I would totally be all over it. Well, this is happening all over the world. There may be abandoned factories here in Orlando that, that, like, have underground drone races happening in them. It's hard to say. They're underground. That's part of the reason they're so cool.
0: The Um, entire future is just like collapsing down on us in this one point of time.
4: Now, this isn't just a bunch of hobbyists getting together and doing this for whoever's there. This stuff is actually streamed online for like the good ones, anyway. So you can go to these abandoned factories and these guys are flying them based on first person, like fighter pilot style perspectives from the VR helmets they're in. So they're, these guys are jacked in. They are the drone flying through all these abandoned facilities and so on. And you as a spectator online can jump around through camera perspectives in the facilities, the camera perspectives of each of the different racers. I mean, that's insane. Yeah.
0: Yeah. That's it's right. like the beginning of Big Hero 6, but for like racing.
4: A Big Hero 6 or real steel, but completely different because the format's totally different. And what I love about it is that it is underground, that it is happening in abandoned factories, that it is happening with people who maybe not necessarily are even allowed to be where they are.
2: But I think it, we need to start going around and asking people to see if we can get <laughs> into the inner circle with some of these, <laughs> if there is a local group anyway.
4: Yeah, we, we could start sniffing around. I would I would actually really like that. However, it is actually on the precipice of potentially becoming mainstream. As we mentioned in a past episode of Nerdy Show, the guy who owns the Miami Dolphins recently dropped a cool million on a drone racing league. So actual sports professionals want this to become a real thing. Maybe we should try to
2: get sponsored. (laughs) Send your money so we can do this.
4: (laughs) Well, we've got to like, John, you, you haven't built a drone from scratch, have you?
0: No, I built an entire CNC router from scratch. Do you, do you want to start building entirely different. <laughs> drones?
4: What's your cool drone racing name?
0: God, I don't, I don't even... You know, it's really... Oh, damn. Well, that's time.
4: You built a CNC...
2: <laughs> router. Router. Yeah. I'd yeah, be more impressed uh, if it was a music factory.
0: It, well, I can build you instruments on it.
2: Uh, don't worry about it. That would make you
4: sweat. <laughs> Oh. Quick plug for the cool stuff John makes on the CNC router. We'll have links to Illuminated Lion and Fan Art Glassware, where uh, he and Kristen make awesome uh, drinking glasses, etc., cetera, with uh, things you might like etched into them. Wink. You know, John, I think you're marathoning more topics this episode than anybody else has.
0: <laughs> I'm versatile, maybe.
4: <laughs> well, here we go. It's number four. Licensed Bionic Prosthetics for Kids. This is an interesting development this year that actually happened in several stages. First in January, Enable made a clone trooper-styled prosthetic arm for a seven-year-old kid that was presented to him by the 501st Legion. And then in March, a seven-year-old named Alex was given a bionic 3D-printed Iron Man arm by Robert Downey Jr. There's an awesome video that we'll link to. He was in full Tony Stark mode. He had Stark industry-like canisters. He lifted them up. There was an arm for him to put on as an Iron Man arm and then an Iron Man arm for the kid to put on that actually moves the fingers. It lights up and all that jazz. And then in October, Open Bionics announced that they've officially partnered with Disney to make low-cost, high-quality, licensed prosthetic robot hands. They've got a Star Wars one. They've got a Frozen one. And they've got an Iron Man one, not surprisingly. So this all has happened in the course of a year. And it's gone from being fan creations to officially licensed things. And they're just, they're cooler than real hands. It's, you probably shouldn't cut off your arm, but if you did, you'd replace <laughs> it with something that looked really I don't, cool. I don't
2: really like what you're advocating here.
0: It's Deus Ex all over. I mean, it again. does look... It does, I didn't ask for this.
2: It does look really cool, and I would
4: definitely use my robot hand for good, but...
0: Have fun with your anti-rejection drugs.
4: Yeah. <laughs> it's fascinating, though. Like, these are robotic hands like they do open and close they have an ability of control that i actually don't i haven't looked into it i don't understand how it works even really they
2: can pick up the nerve impulses that are i believe they just read them through through the skin like yeah. contact with the
4: skin wow the group out of university of central florida that's been doing a lot of this work with an organization called limbitless get it Lim, Lit limb got limitless but Lim- there's a bit there's, a, there's bitless, kind of like a, a sort of a silent b uh, in there yeah it's, it's pretty bad did tony but, think of that for him but, but, <laughs> Well, maybe, but they they, they do good work. They partnered with this group called OneNote and a collective project to to do the, the Iron Man hand, you know, with Robert Downey Jr. And they recently actually created a wheelchair for a paralyzed vet that he can fully control using his facial muscles. They're doing good work. And these, man, I mean, I don't even care about Frozen, but that Frozen arm, it's amazing. It looks so cool. I don't think I've seen the Frozen arm. I've seen a lot of the other ones.
0: Yeah, I don't know about this frozen arm. It's
4: got, it's like, you got glitter. It doesn't have like character faces or something stupid on it. It looks like a really stylish, cool space magician's hand. And I want it to be my hand.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I don't know how I saw all the other ones, but somehow I let that one go. So
4: Man, I
0: gotta go find that.
4: (laughs) That's time. We'll link to where you can see all this stuff. Did you get it? I worked in Let It Go. Oh, shit. I haven't seen Frozen, man. I just, oh, God damn it. I, I don't know, man. Uh, I, I just they got they got that. Somebody snowman. at home got that joke. <laughs> you know, it's weird. The adults who own Frozen that I know, including John and Kristen, they all have copies of Frozen. I was like, it's a cultural zeitgeist. Let me see Frozen, and they're like, no. this has happened with multiple people. Adults without kids won't let you borrow Frozen because they might watch it. What? This is a reoccurring problem that no one will let me borrow Frozen. Are we talking I don't think about this? Are are you talking did, about the same? And you thing? said
2: no. <laughs> The same
4: movie that most parents are freaking tired of. Yeah, in but, every well, way conceivable, well, parents can't loan it because the kids will keep watching it. Yeah. Anyway, it's, that's 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 my problem. So I don't even at this point I don't even want to see it. But I feel like I don't get the, I don't get the jokes. I don't get the jokes. Poor. I don't get the jokes at all. Whatever. Moving on. Number We're... three. <laughs> there is in fact some Star Wars on this list. It's Tie Fighter, a animated short film
5: done by one guy. We're here with Doug. Yo. State of the Empire. TIE yeah. Fighter, what's up? I w- was really impressed by this thing. The amount of detail that this one guy puts into this little short animated film, it looks like it looks like professional quality. Like it, a team of, of Japanese animators made this. It looks it looks like
4: classic anime. Classic, yeah. marginally realistic anime.
5: Is there a term? There's got to be a term like cockpit pornography. I mean, just Whoa. like, like I mean, the fetishization of just the buttons and like all the sliders. Like, I mean, I'm sure in the Star Wars universe, there's not even this much detail. You know what I'm saying? Like, but <laughs> it is like food porn. But, yeah, but yeah, cockpits. yeah, yeah. But with cockpits, like, and all the buttons and screens <laughs> you and, say the, and the cockpit pornography.
2: His way. My brain went straight to: Have you ever seen a grown man naked? Yeah,
5: <laughs>
4: <laughs> it's truly amazing. Now this is a seven minute long animated short. It was all done by one guy, Paul Johnson, and he did it over the course of four years, just weekends on four years. And it's not just a tribute to Star Wars, it's also a tribute to one of the greatest Star Wars games ever
5: made, 1994's
4: TIE Fighter. TIE Fighter, of course.
5: I'd see a TIE Fighter movie done in anime style.
4: I mean, this guy's got to have turned some heads with this because it is truly breathtaking. It was all him. It wasn't fan funded or anything. It was just him doing this passion project and I, I consulting on you know various fan boards to get it all right and all that. But I mean, just one dude and really amazing characterization between these Imperial pilots, really cool amounts of detail. And yeah. it's it's a, bit, a little disturbing to see the Rebels lose so bad, but
5: not to some fans, though. Like, yeah, that's, not, you know, not that's to like, those. It's about time. <laughs> it's about time we see the Empire's best. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's only seven minutes. Check it out. If you're a Star Wars fan and you've missed this, I could understand why cuz the Force Awakens has pretty much taken up a lot of <laughs> a lot of, a lot of your dashboard recently but uh, definitely check this thing out if you haven't already seen it. I mean, it's number 3. Yeah. This is so good. It topped the list. So, check it out. We're going to call it right here. Take
4: the time in the the remainder of our 3-minute allotment here to well, spend 7 minutes watching this amazing film. Yeah. <laughs> All right, number 2. We got Brandon here. Hi again, Oh my God, guys, this is, it's number two, but it could easily be number one. It's the most incredible thing I've seen all year. You know what? I'm not even going to time it. We're just going to go for it. We're just going to do this thing. IRL first person shooter on chat roulette. It's more like a first person shooter that's chat roulette
6: controlled. It's, yeah, (laughs) it's, it's an action, live action, RPG puzzle, first person shooter.
4: Basically you're on chat roulette and all of a sudden you click through a few dicks (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> and and then you see a first person perspective getting into it says press start and uh, you're in if you were one of the original people to do this you're in a church and your guy wakes up he's like oh, what do I do and, and basically you're looking through this guy's
6: helmet and you're like controlling this character and you, you tell him literally through uh, chat roulette his, his actions like look left look right go over here find this item and he does exactly what you tell him to do, and, and the level
2: the level of detail in this is amazing. They like have they have the full like working heads up display for the in real time, right? And re- updated in real time.
4: He's got a health bar. So if
6: he gets hit, it, like someone is is taking away the health.
4: When you pick up screen. a weapon, the weapon appears just as it would if it was a video game. And this is like a Doom Wolfenstein style first person shooter. Your guy versus zombies, and then eventually some kind of terrible boss monster. Uh, you gotta fire rockets at. Think about this: If you
6: die, they disconnect the video. You don't get to try. Like if you do something wrong and get killed, like a zombie in level one, and you're that's back it.
4: to watching dicks on. Yeah, back chat to roulette. watching chat roulette dicks. Now the first video alone is what got them on the list, but recently they did a level two. And level two, and it, t- it took the thing so much further because in the first was it was zombies in a church setting, and then a and big it was monster. a small
6: kind of setting. And it looked kind of, it looked cool. It, yeah, looked I mean, budget. it looks really cool. The first one did. The second one was like mind-blowing.
4: They did it, I think, in one of their backyards or something they said, but they made a giant church. Yeah, these guys are from England, and in England, they have tons of churches that uh, are not churches anymore. So um, So they could just film it. Realm Pictures, who created this, their production company is actually in this building. We should add, like, the guy is talking to you the whole time, so you're interacting with, like, the the first person character, like, you're seeing the gestures of his hands, the narrative elements of it, it's all very, just crazily well done. And, and
6: he's very good at improv.ing they'll, they'll just be like, "Look around for something that, that like helps your health." And he's like, "There's some drugs here," and they're like, "Inject it." And he's like, "Oh, are
4: you sure?" And they're like, "Yeah." I like, "Okay, whatever." And he just does it. And <laughs> and and it, oh man, the first one was the zombie thing. The second one was basically like Dead Space and Alien or <laughs> yeah, Alien, pretty much.
6: I just like these say lines like, "Get the get the cross. It works on uh, it works on zombies." Is like, no, they don't. <laughs> <laughs>
4: So the second one was in, a, like, a factory, some kind of massive factory. I haven't watched huge the behind-the-scenes video yet floors on it.
6: And the setting was supposed to be, what, in a, a derelict spaceship, and you're supposed to save the day?
4: Yeah. And at the end, a giant, like, Pink Floyd-style inflatable of a huge fucking grub.
6: They have remote-controlled robots, they have holograms, they have sliding doors, and they have websites set up to help you solve... Some of the, the like the, the in-game. door puzzle. Yeah, there's a yeah. door puzzle. and There's a little website above. It's like for troubleshooting. Go to this website and you do. And it's a real website that has troubleshooting codes. And like it has several pages on the website about like different types of doors
4: for your spaceships. And it's really cool. These guys have outdone themselves. So it's Realm Pictures. and They teamed up with an escape room and treasure hunt company called Red House Mysteries. And I mean, it's no surprise they're out of the UK because they do like escape room stuff well beyond the scope of what we do in america over there like yeah, it's they, really they take it's it to really hard level. to
6: describe what this is you know with with no visuals for in a few minutes so they really I, yeah you really person, just need to yeah. go watch the video and
4: experience this and you can't for play it but, they
6: have to invite you randomly it's not well, something you can oh my wrong here's the
4: thing uh-oh Originally it was all done through chat roulette, the first two levels. Yeah. But level three is a whole different story because they've just launched a Kickstarter and a general purpose crowdfunding campaign for level three at rlfps.com. dot com.
6: But why would anyone do that when they randomly they can't you not everyone could play it because it's in real time, real actors, real people.
4: Because it's different. This time they're going to be pooling from the people who are backing them, and those backers who get to do it will be chosen at random. And the okay. whole and then and it's actually expanding into a narrative with characters and interaction between people. And it's like basically it's going from Wolfenstein jumping to Dead Space and sounds like it's jumping to Elder Scrolls. I want Doom the Fallout. I want Doom. Oh man. Like they're actually taking They're just
2: gonna start wandering around New Zealand. (laughs) (laughs)
4: Like they are actively going to be turning this into an interactive narrative. But
6: how can I play it?
4: You gotta back them.
6: And then maybe I'll get lucky. Maybe Maybe. I assume the videos
4: are alone. I assume there are certain levels of you will definitely get lucky if you $10, pay $1000 you will play yeah. and get one no, life you get that, one like, life
2: the production value on this is so good the whole time i i was just like who who is funding this it looks like, like a who movie is funding set. these random chat roulette people to play this amazing thing
6: and i think the worst part is if you're one of the lucky people like who didn't know this was a thing and that you know they pick you and you just play it you just, if you do something stupid because you're messing around and you die, you'll never play it again. They just cut the video feed and that's it. Yeah,
2: I imagine some of them were like, what the hell just happened? Yeah.
6: <laughs> I, I love that there were like some girls on a beach playing and he's like, he's bringing up um, a, like a holographic projection of like where he should go and it says like, he's, it says cargo bay and they're like, they're like, cargo bay? What's that? And he's like, it's
3: not a beach. <laughs>
4: seriously realm pictures red house mysteries you guys they outdid themselves
6: (laughs) it's probably the most one of the coolest things i've seen all year probably the coolest thing i've seen all year yeah because reality sucks and that was amazing (laughs) the real shit we discover in real life is like "Eh, whatever
4: we'll we'll have links to where you can see all this stuff on this episode's page but remember rlfps.com And that's where you can learn how you can get on the action at level three. There's a lot of detail. There's a whole video on it. I've only scratched the surface. And if if
6: you're not interested, like
4: watch the video level one and level two and then tell me you're not interested. Whether you play it or not, they will always archive it online into produced videos like they have in the past for everything they're doing in the future, regardless of what happens. So I cannot wait to see what they do next. And if you get to be one of
6: the people that play it, please record your session. You know, like a yeah, recording cool. session.
4: It would and, be cool to see a full
6: one. Yeah, and like send it to us so we can watch it. <laughs> or just show it online. Yeah, it'd be really awesome. So
4: that was number two. Congratulations, guys. It was amazing.
6: Your reward is in the mail. Your trophy, <laughs> your trophy is in the mail. Your nerdy show trophy is coming to you right now.
4: Next up, we have a minor detour before we get to our number one nerdy thing of the year. Yes, it's another superlative. This is the Exceptional Geek Award. And uh, for this award, we're going to bring back. Doug, and Jess. Hey, guys. Yo. Hey. This award goes to astronaut Sam Christoforetti. Now, why is she an exceptional geek? Good question. I
2: think being an astronaut alone would qualify
4: you to a certain extent. It it does, most assuredly, to a certain extent.
2: And then, you know, having nerdy
4: interests, for sure, would throw you way above the threshold. Yes, you have to take it to the next level. She took it to the
5: stratosphere. (laughs)
1: Yes. (laughs) Uh, I see what she did there.
5: Quite literally, she had to bring it from Earth because this she tweeted a photo of her wearing a next gen DS9 Voyager era Starfleet uniform while sipping on coffee and in the background because she's on, you know, she's on the International Space Station by a window, and while the uh, dragon uh, spacecraft from SpaceX was making its final approach. So there was like several layers of nerdy and geekiness all folded into one picture that she posted to Twitter of all places.
1: Yeah, and her text was, there's coffee in that nebula. (laughs) I mean, in that dragon.
5: There you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's straight out
2: of Voyager. She must have been drinking coffee black because that's 100% Janeway.
4: Yes, actually, that is 100% Janeway. First of all, she actually happens to not only be a very nerdy astronaut, she also holds the records for the longest single space flight by a woman, which is 199 days, 16 hours, and for the longest uninterrupted space flight of a European astronaut. But that doesn't quite do it because she apparently is quite a Captain Janeway fan. There were two photos she took on Twitter. The one that Jess quoted there was on the approach of the Dragon capsule, which was bringing a space espresso machine. Space espresso. Yeah.
2: Which is, of course, different from regular espresso. Yeah.
4: And Janeway loves coffee. So while she was wearing her uniform, Sam Christopheretti sipped the first cup of coffee brewed on the International Space Station. That's pretty great.
1: And pretty fitting because she's Italian, too.
4: Yeah. (laughs) It wasn't replicated, though. That'll be the next... Well, it may have tasted like a, a bad replication, depending on what space espresso is, you know,
5: <laughs> she's at least a true fan, because when you go up in outer space, you have to keep track of everything you bring with you, like everything has to be weighted. So the fact that she was like, no, I have to bring a Starfleet uniform with me. <laughs> like I don't, how, I don't know what she had to agree to leave behind to justify the way to bring that. But uh, hats off to her for sure. Yeah, no, she did actually have to pay attention to what she was bringing.
4: And she happens to be out of all the years of space missions, the first person to do any kind of cosplay that i know of in space but a yeah. fucking starfleet first, uniform is
5: first cosplay in space perhaps perhaps
2: you get seven changes of clothes and one of those for her is a starfleet <laughs> uniform
4: <laughs> so hats off to you sam you are the exceptional geek of 2015 viva italia
2: hopefully she gets back to earth before voyager would have <laughs>
4: because that took a little
2: bit too long for them <laughs>
4: And so that was our final award, but we're not done yet. No, we have our number one nerdy thing of the year. Here we go. The timer is set three minutes. It's time to get shifting. Oh yeah! oh, yeah. Yes. This year was the second season of Rick and Morty, and uh, it blew the first season out of the water, I think. I think it completely did, which is saying a lot because the first season was mind altering. <laughs> So this was perhaps reality altering goes beyond the mind into the very universe itself it went way beyond my mind <laughs> and it got swifty all over my brain. Yeah. Okay. So what you did was you took off your pants and your panties and you shit
5: directly on the floor all over the floor. Hey, sh- should we explain uh, about the <laughs> what the hell we're talking about for anyone who maybe who hasn't seen Rick and Morty because you just said take a shit on the floor with no context like with regards to why this is number one.
1: If they're not Googling it right now, then I'm disappointed. <laughs> Maybe they're in their car.
2: If you've listened to Nerdy Show lately at all. <laughs>
4: we have been talking about We've been thrifty. referencing
2: this for quite a while.
4: <laughs> but, but no, we should, we should lay down and qualify this. This is our top 20 nerdy things of the year. So Rick and Morty is an amazing animated series on Adult Swim created by Justin Roiland and Dan Harmon. And it is a super surreal sci-fi that takes like, all the best, weirdest sci-fi plots and gunks them up with cartoon
5: weirdness. These are Star Trek-level sci-fi ideas that could be, if they were taken serious, they could be Star Trek episodes, like classic episodes but they instead make them batshit bonkers crazy and hilarious at the same time.
1: But I think what's great is that it's what would probably happen because shit just goes wrong. And like everything in TV goes right and it's like, oh, we're so happy. But I mean, there's a really distinct possibility in a lot of sci-fi things that it's just going to go batshit crazy. There are consequences. And it's awesome. Absolutely.
3: Lasting
4: consequences. (laughs) Yes, tremendously (laughs) lasting consequences. I mean, some deep, dark stuff happened in season one, but season two, you'll note that Rick and Morty when it happened we enjoyed it but it didn't even place on our list but this time boom smack dab number one get swifty is a jam it is totally a jam and they showed us exactly what they had <laughs> <laughs> get swifty is a song in season two and uh, it has got to be the number one jam of 2015 no doubt so this is kind of a joint award because surprise there is another superlative here and it is the nerdy remix of the year which goes to andromulus Who remixed Get Swifty, and it is the ultimate jam.
2: In the best way possible. Get Swifty was a jam for sure on the show, but now it's the number one summer jam.
4: Of all time. Of all time. So basically what we're saying here is if all this sounded like complete nonsense to you, you got to check out Rick and Morty. Definitely start with season one, obviously, but get your way to season two. Start at two. the
2: beginning and
4: forgive the pilot episode. It yeah, gets better. It, it does get It gets better. And check out the amazing comic, which has recently been collected by Zach Gorman, which is totally in the flavor of the show. And we're going to actually, we have a, a microsode request to talk about Rick and Morty. We're going to devote a whole episode to it, and maybe more than a microsode length, if you know what I mean, boys and girls. Wink, wink, et nudge, et nudge, know what I mean? Yeah so we're gonna take it here we're gonna end this crazy crazy episode so we're gonna kick it with the nerdy remix of the year get swifty. buy andromulus check out rick and morty thanks so much for listening to this crazy list if you like what you hear we are a listener supported network that means we rely on you to stay alive to find out how you can do that just go to nerdyshow.com support and share this motherfucker if you like what we got yo andromulus show me what, what you got, you got.
0: from people who are relaxed. Just hit a button, Morty. Give me a beat. Oh, man.
3: Okay, Bye.
6: Thanks for listening to Nerdy Show. If you like what you heard, please rate and review us on iTunes, or like and follow us on SoundCloud. As listeners supported entertainment, we rely on you to keep this and other shows on the Nerdy Show Network alive by telling a friend or funding the network via Patreon. Any size contribution
1: can get you exclusive outtakes, episodes, and images from across the network, and there's even more perks available. Just head to patreon.com nerdyshow nerdy show. To find out how you or your company can underwrite this or other Nerdy Show programming, visit nerdyshow.com slash
6: sponsorships. You can subscribe to Nerdy Show via iTunes and or SoundCloud. Leave a comment, like and share, and follow Nerdy Show on all your favorite social networks. For more podcasts, articles, community forums, and other awesomeness, visit nerdyshow.com. If it's geeky,
3: we got it covered. Go Number
4: 8. Didn't you say like number fourteen, dude? I told you it was none of your concern. <laughs> no, okay. Forget no, number right, fourteen. I
5: really confused. Start no, no, over.
4: It's jumping around. It's all people are doing different numbers. Yeah, but, so he, so. but he just. I said. was I was legitimately telling you to forget it, oh. and you're like,
3: oh, I'm gonna improv
2: about <laughs> I it. You were <laughs> imp- I'm gonna be hilarious were, and just ignore it. I thought you
6: were improvising. Like none of your concern. I thought
2: no. you were being funny. No,
6: oh. okay. we're we're running a serious <laughs> goddamn sorry. ship
2: here, and we're trying to keep it on track. I thought you were being hilarious. No, oh, I'm
6: gonna talk. about about some nun
2: band
3: god
6: I just, I just i was i went into that because i thought you started
3: the whole improv thing no
6: i was feeding off of what you were doing that's why i wanted you to
2: come back to reality and you didn't even I come back to the right me. point
6: no I, I, yeah okay do over